It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. My next guest spent his career as a first responder by rescuing people from burning buildings. His name is Dan Smith, and he is a retired Ohio firefighter. I met him through Adoption Network Cleveland, founded by Betsy Norris, who can be heard here on Episode 54, Season 4. Dan co-facilitates a monthly support group with Barbara Robertson, who can be heard here during Season 1, Episode 9. During my times in the ANC virtual meetings on Thursdays, I have witnessed Dan's compassionate and empathetic feedback to all members of the Constellation. He, along with Barb, offers some of the best guidance to adoptees, adoptive, and birth parents who are in attendance. It's no wonder that many members of the adoption community faithfully come back again each month. I'm often in awe of the wisdom he gives the audience based on his experience as an adoptee in reunion. I was excited for this opportunity to chat with a fellow retiree who happens to be an adopted person and knows firsthand what trauma we endured at our place of employment that lasted for decades. In this episode, Dan shares what he's doing to address the subject of the emotional wounds he suffered on and off the job. Allow me to introduce you to someone who knows the importance of self-care and urges male adoptees to take a closer look at the subject of expressing their emotions, though society may not so readily endorse it. Dan and I agree that sometimes emotions like anger or resentment are repressed for a variety of reasons. But once we are aware of our feelings, healing is possible. Dan, I can't tell you how I have been anticipating having this conversation with you. Like all morning, I was thinking about how much fun it would be and how much you have to share with the audience about your lived experience. And let me ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thank you for having me on. How are you today? I'm doing good, too. I'm doing well. I... As I was telling you before we started recording, as long as I get my walk in the woods in the morning, that's like a great place for me to start with my morning practice. So I got that in, even though it was like 28 degrees um, and my fingers never got warm. I'm just glad to be out in nature as much as possible. So I'm doing, doing well. I was wondering, like, where do I start? And I, I first want to say, we talk like, an hour, almost an hour and a half last week. And mm-hmm. <laughs> where did the time go? I kept wondering. <laughs> it was such a great conversation, somewhat in preparation for today, because I know you're a retired fireman. Running into yeah. burning buildings was your career. 
And I, too, as a first responder, police officer and detective, was in the thick of things, shall we say. We were talking because I was in Chicago. You were in Ohio. You and I talked about this friendly rivalry between (laughs) the fire and the police. And I was thinking, I didn't know that was a thing. I thought it was just some crazy guys on the department where I worked that kept up a lot of mess. So (laughs) that was fun to learn that that's just one of those things. And and it is, I would say it's friendly, right? I would say about 99% of it is friendly. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I know we talked too about being sensitive and sensitivity. And I think that For me, in a male-dominated career, that wasn't what I observed a lot of the times. But just having, like, watched you and how you facilitate the Adoption Network Cleveland support group for all members of the Constellation, clearly you are one of the most compassionate people that I know. kind of want to start there. When did you realize your skill set to be able to do that? Well, I, I, I will say that um, I started going to the meetings in Rocky River, and uh, the two facilitators there, uh, Linda and Jim, they are fantastic at it. So I, I will have to say I had two very good mentors. I didn't know I was going to be a facilitator <laughs> for years, but uh, watching them and how they did things and just how empathetic they were and how uh, compassionate they were especially Jim, watching him, he, he really has the art down of listening, of just active listening. And then just uh, when they asked me to be a facilitator, I just, uh, I had many conversations with Jim and with Linda and uh, really just was so nervous about doing it the right way because I know who comes to these meetings and I just you know didn't want to didn't want to do or say the wrong thing. So I, I really, I had to learn it, is, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But you had, I guess, the foundation in you because I do find you to be just extremely caring, you know, that I don't necessarily see often with men. And hats off to Linda and Jim for, I guess, being an example of how you would want to continue that, what they, what they bring with um, your facilitation, co-facilitation with Barb in that mm-hmm. meeting. Uh, and it's once a month. What Thursday is it of the yeah, month? Fourth Thursday of okay. every month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy that meeting. Well, I usually say or ask whatever you want to share about your adoption story and wherever you want to start. So how's that? Uh, That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to. Uh, I would love to. You know, over the years, the the reason for sharing has changed for me. You know, when I first started sharing my story, it was was all for me. Um, And it was part of my healing process too, is to share my story, to just talk about it. And, And as I talked about it, I... I learned more and more about myself and about my feelings, good and bad feelings about my adoption. So it's evolved over the years. And uh, so I'm, I'm just lucky enough to 
be in a place that uh, I seem to talk about it a lot. So, which is awesome because once again, it helps me. And if I get to help somebody else by telling my story, it's great. Part of my adoption story that I really like to share now is that not every reunion goes perfectly. It starts perfect and it doesn't end well. So we, we, you know, as facilitators, we always try to keep in mind that if somebody is in the search process is to someone get them ready for, for a reunion not going well or not getting a reunion at all. So part of me sharing my story is, is just that, is helping them down that path. Mm-hmm. My search old school. So we had to go through all the, you know, getting my non-identifying information. And then we had to, you know, we didn't do a DNA thing yet. Uh, that wasn't so prevalent uh, yet. Then with the help of Linda Bellini at the Adoption Network in Cleveland, and she forced me to go to the library and do a lot of research. And we finally narrowed it down to who my birth mom was. And uh, we had a great reunion. And it was awesome. It was fantastic. And she's a lovely woman. Unfortunately, she got very sick. And she cut off all communications with just about everyone in her life except her husband. So I found her. And then, unfortunately, then I ended up losing her again. You know, for me, it didn't end like I wanted it to. So, yeah. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard because I was just getting to know her, like getting to know her, know her, you know, getting to dig in deep and and we'd have these really nice conversations and I'd go sit with her. And then it just nothing. Mm. Yeah. That brings up just really hard. Yeah, that that brings up for me in reunion with my maternal side that my birth mother was deceased. In the last two years of her life, she was very ill. And I have often sat with, what if I had found her that ill and then she died in two years? That would be hard. But that's kind of kind of like it, not message i don't want to say the message you know to folks in the adoption uh community i just want to make them aware that you know you could listen to certain people talking and you get you almost get like two different answers right you either get the fairy tale oh you know i've met my brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and aunts and moms and dads it's all great and then you get every so often you're here well i've reached out to my daughter where I've reached out to my mom for 20 years and I've heard nothing. Mm, and yeah. And my story, I try to explain to people the in between. You know, I did get a reunion. It was very nice. There was some stuff in it with the reunion that, uh, especially with my mom, that if I hadn't gone to the meetings, if I hadn't done the work uh, involved in a reunion, I would not have been prepared for what was about to come and uh, you know she was very she loved talking to me but she was very scared of what her family what her friends may have may, may think because she kept me a secret just like many women did back in that day so you know to to 
to constantly try to explain to my mom that I didn't need to meet her friends. <laughs> I don't need to meet her family, but I just needed to meet her. That my relationship was strictly with her. And if she wanted to expand our relationship, she could, but that was totally on her and that I would never uh, go outside, expand our relationship with anyone else without her uh, approval. But yet she was still so nervous and so afraid of, of her secret. Do you think she was still carrying shame? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talked about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She was very... She was so sweet and so nice that that's what it was. She just... She felt horrible, but at the same time, you know, I'd have to explain to her. You know, my mom was... She was a single mom. She already had a three-year-old, and she was living on the streets. Mm. And she just realized, she's like, when she got pregnant with me, she's like, I cannot take care of another kitten. So she did the best thing she could for me, and she started the adoption process before I, um, before, before she gave birth. Mm. So, Yeah. Would you say you had a happy childhood? I did. Yeah. 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 I mean, my adopted parents, I, I, I wasn't adopted by um, some angelic parents. They had their problems. I think like every couple does. I was lucky to have uh, a mother who doted over me uh, <laughs> to the point where she would iron my underwear and you know, your, your little shirts and stuff. And, uh, and my dad took us to you know all the sports and outdoor stuff, and but then I lived with another family, my aunt and uncle. So I was lucky they almost have like two sets of parents. And my aunt and uncle had a horse farm that I loved to stay at, uh, and uh, so it was great. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit because I have been studying the work of Dr. Gabor Mate. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he. He's a physician who has studied trauma for a while in his recent book. And I'm not getting paid or anything. I just am fascinated by his work. His latest book, The The Myth of Normal, talks a lot about this thing called trauma. Anyway, amongst other things. But I know something he said that stuck with me, and I want to ask you because you were a first responder for many, many years he says there's no such thing as vicarious trauma. And I had to sit with that because throughout my career, that's all we talked about is we as first responders witness and, and deal with vicarious trauma by listening and seeing trauma victims on a regular basis. He says it's either trauma or no trauma. And I thought about it. I think he's right. Like, these things that we've witnessed during our uh, tours of duty, they impact us. And if we're not aware of it or if we're not addressing it, uh, it can do a toll on us. And when you share it with me, what I would consider a spiritual practice that you and three other couples, I believe you told me about, this group that you all have formed is aware of what has happened to them, to you. 
to all of you, and you're doing something about it. Would you like to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, in the police and fire community, you know, it's still a, I think it's getting a, a little better, but I would say 1% at a time better that our mental health is being recognized and that the toll that the job takes, um, not just physically, but mentally, takes on us uh, is being not just recognized, but it's being brought out to where it is somewhat okay. You know, when I was on the job, it wasn't okay to talk about your feelings. It wasn't okay to go on a, on a really bad call and then show emotion about that call. Uh, it was more like you can, you can show a little emotion and now get over it. And that all, you know, it, it all builds up. It all it takes its toll chunk by chunk. It just takes it out of you. So there's a group of uh, us, there's uh, four of us that get together uh, that all retired around the same time. And we really just started getting together just because we were all friends while we were at work. And we kind of just missed each other. Probably within a half hour, 45 minutes of our very first dinner together, we realized that this was going to be more than just dinner. And we're such good friends that we allowed ourselves, we allowed each each person to talk and just to let it out. The three other gentlemen have wives and I, I'm single, but uh, you know, the wives were in these conversations too. And we decided we're gonna meet once a month. And we still, after the first meeting, really didn't understand what was going on. But by about the third month, we were like, okay, and we talked on the phone before the, the next dinner we had, and we all said, this is really, really good for us in, in, in a way that we just didn't think it was going to be possible. And the next time we got together, that's what we talked about. We talked about healing. We talked about helping each other through this process and, and about how all the nonsense of being, you know, tough and being, you know, suck it up and, and it's just the job and, you know, all the, the stuff about, you know, oh, that stuff doesn't get to me. It's all nonsense, and it does. And that it's okay to be broken. It's only okay to be broken as if you realize it and then start helping and uh, yourself. And uh, that's what we started doing. We started just started leaning on each other, started helping each other. And even the wives now are just like, you know, this is great. You know, our relationships are becoming better. You know, our husbands are talking more. And they're becoming a little more empathetic and a little more cognizant of the fact of certain things that we've done because of that trauma. Yeah. And uh, so now we're all kind of leaning on each other now. <laughs> and uh, it's it's kind of nice to have a place to talk and, and that people understand what you're talking about, though. Yeah, when you shared that with me, I thought that's brilliant. I think that that's so doable, right? To have a couple of other people that you know that have been through similar situations with work. And then, you know, people, everybody has trauma in their lives. And to be able to develop a tool that's useful, first, to be aware of what has happened in the past that may be still there, just right under our skin, so to speak, to have someone else 
to unpack that with. And I, like that just sounds so cool to set up these these dinners once a month. And, and it actually inspired me to think about doing something like that too. I think that would be really helpful for me, which I guess leads me to my next question because the adoption community and getting together with other adoptees one-on-one in virtual spaces um, as a group, um, sometimes a fairly large group, is people coming together who have shared experiences of relinquishment and adoption. So what has been the most rewarding thing for you about being connected to the community? The reward that I get is my whole life I've been someone who needs to help people. It is not a, oh, I like to do it. It is a need. And uh, so when I retired from the fire department, that the, the way to help people went away. And uh, so to be able to facilitate for the adoption network is just given me, um, it's given me my purpose back. Mm. It's given my, my why back. And so I look forward to just opening that room up and giving people that space, uh, that safe space to start working on themselves or to bring someone else in and work on them. And, and so I love it. I love being able to, to, to give that uh, to people. I'm glad you shared that. Cause now I'm thinking of me hosting the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause once retirement happened, Where's the helping people? Like, what am I going to do, right? Like, And I hadn't even made the connection until just now. The yeah, perhaps it was like that. It's what I want to do. And I did that with my through my career. And now I have the chance to do it again with the adoption community. Yeah. Yeah, it's some, um, it's, it, that's, you know, as police and firemen, we, we never talk to the general public. It's, it's a thing that we almost frown upon others doing, uh, but we never talk to the general public about us and about why we do our job. We just say, if someone says, hey, thank you, we just say, uh-huh, it's just my job. Right. We're, we are the worst marketing agents for ourselves. We, we do not do a very good job at really explaining to folks why most of us chose that profession. And most of us chose that profession because of this overriding need to help. And, and it is overriding because we're putting ourselves into a, a really bad place in order to help others. Right. Not many people, <laughs> you know, when you, when you talk to other people about it, they kind of sometimes look at you like, you know, that sounds really dumb, don't you? And it's like, <laughs> And when you think about it, you're like, yeah, it kind of is, but I love it. And I can't, I couldn't think of doing anything else. And though facilitating uh, is not nearly as dangerous. (laughs) 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 It it does give that sense of helping others that I need. That was... That was so well said. Thank you for that. Uh Mm -hmm. So 
What has been your observation of male adoptees being better connected to the adoption community? Do you see it increasing at all? Because I know we women, we outnumber you guys. So (laughs) (laughs) you want to talk a little bit about what you've been observing? (laughs) Well, I I think that the the numbers are coming up uh, slowly, but they are they are trending upwards we got to get past this whole you know i'm a man i don't need help nonsense and and it's got to be on both sides men need to understand for themselves that number one it's okay to take care of yourself number two i don't care how strong you are i don't care if you've got the superman cape on you need to take it off every so often set it aside and help yourself And I think the best way I say it to men is, listen, if you're not your best self, then you can't be the best husband, the best father, the best uncle, the best coworker. So just leave all that aside. Leave all that manly stuff aside. Come on in. No one's going to ask you to do anything you don't want to do. You don't have to answer any questions if you don't want to. Just come in. Just be part of the group. Just listen. Uh, you don't have to say a word. No one's going to force you to say anything. And just come in the first couple times. And, and, and but be honest with yourself during the meetings. You don't have to talk to anyone else. But just be honest with yourself. And I think if we get you know, men past that point, then they get a little more comfortable seeing that it's not some weird group that gets together, you know, uh, (laughs) I think guys more need to, we need to see and feel that there are people in a group that are just like us, whether it's, Hey, these are all people that love the Browns. Yay. Good. We all love the Browns. Okay, good. I'm in my, I'm in my comfort zone or, Oh, Hey, I'm adopted too. And, oh, hey, wait, a lot of folks in here, they sound really happy, but they they have problems. And, hey, I have that problem, too. Or, hey, I would love to find my birth mom or birth dad or, you know, these little things. And then, then if they can learn about themselves a little more, I think they open up. But, yeah, the male, you know, we've been told by society so much to suck it up, you know, I think the new I think I think the kids that are growing up today though aren't getting that message as much. Mm-hmm. I think they're I think they're 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 the message really is to the to the younger generation is is that be your authentic self is I think a really big message to them. So hopefully in the long run, uh, as far as like mental health and everything, they 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 do a better job with themselves. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to take this opportunity right now to plug this invitation to all men listening to this episode to reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you and we have a conversation for the podcast and you don't have to um, wonder if you have something to say because you do and I would like to hear from you and I do think my audience, men and women, want to hear from you and just reach out to me via email or 
through my website. I'll put that in the show notes. I hope that more men become a part of the community because I think you're right. It's, it's really a matter of self-care when we, any of us, decide to be in fellowship with each other as adopted people, adult adoptees. And I, I do want to ask you this question. What has been the most challenging thing about being better connected to the adoption community? <laughs> it is, I, I have a strange, I, I think I have a strange answer to that. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard to start the answer because it's just a very strange answer. The hardest part is sitting in the meetings and listening to other folks, whether it be a, a birth mom, a birth dad, an adoptee, it doesn't matter. And, and listening to someone say, you know, that I've, I've found my, my relative and I've reached out to that person, the son, the daughter, mom, dad, and they've either responded with a no thank you or None at all, just no response. And it's just so frustrating because I'm like, give me their address. I want to go over there and I want to just explain to them what they're actually doing to that person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you completely understand that by you just listen, you don't have to have like this loving relationship with this person, but that person that's trying to find you, they just need that all they really need is a hello at first, an acknowledgement of just hi. That's it. Just, you know, if you want to leave it there, man, most of most of the people that are searching, but just, just to know that they found the right person would help tremendously. And it's just, to me, it's aggravating. It's like, I just want to go and help. Once again, it's that helper in me that just wants to, wants to go out and say, give me that. I got this. You know, like, okay, that letter was very nice that you sent, but this is just foolishness. And to me, that's hard. It's hard for me to sit there and listen to those. And some of them have brought me to tears. I mean, some of them, some of these folks who come to our meetings are 20 years of sending a letter to their daughter. And it's just like, really? Like, it's not fair. It's it's not fair. So. Yeah. I, I told you it was a very odd answer, but <laughs> <laughs> now I understand what me, you mean. Yeah, it gets me so mad. And they just say hi. It's not that hard. They're not asking for much. Yeah, I agree. Well, I just feel so fortunate to be able to to have this time, and I I want to honor your time. So I have one last question, which is mm-hmm. my usual. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share with the audience? Well, yeah. So I, <laughs> I would want to share that uh, that I would not be anywhere without the Adoption Network Cleveland. I'll make this really quick because it's a big, long story. But very quickly is that a friend of mine asked if I was a member of the Adoption Network in Cleveland. And I said, I don't know what that is. Uh, that was on a Saturday. I went home and I Googled it and noticed they were having a meeting on Thursday. Had no idea what this meeting consisted of and forced myself to go to that meeting. 
And in two hours, that meeting literally changed my life. I was in my car. I couldn't leave the parking lot because I was crying so much. Yeah, I know. I'm a guy. And yes, I was bawling. I could not <laughs> drive my car. It was just so, it was so raw and so emotional. All of a sudden, there's a birth mom sitting across from me. Oh my God, they're real. There's a birth dad. And, oh my God, he's real too. There's other adoptees. And wow, they're real too. And, uh, and, and they have, they have folks from the adoption network say, Hey, if you need some help, either in search or if you just need help in general, just give us a call and we're here for you. And that sent me down this path <laughs> that is 10 plus years uh, with the adoption network. And, uh, I just like to tell people if you don't, if you're not, uh, if you don't know what the adoption network in Cleveland is, please Google it. Uh, if you're not a member, please become a member. Uh, they're a nonprofit. They're, they're a very, very small group of folks that do a tremendous amount of work, not just in Cleveland, but around the state. And Betsy helps, Betsy Norse is the, uh, the founder of uh, the Adoption Network Cleveland. And she does a lot of work nationally helping with the laws in different states and helping adoptees uh, get their birth records, helping folks find their parents, helping parents find their kids. So they do a lot of great work. So I yes, just like to tell yes. people to at least visit their website. Give them a, go give them a look. Absolutely. And shout out to Betsy. <laughs> She's helped so many people. I don't know how many guests have mentioned her name, how much she helped them. And of course, the uh, many groups online that are facilitated mm -hmm. by amazing people. Yeah, definitely a valuable resource in our community. And I'm so glad to know, like all of you that do such great work there. So thank you. Thank you well, so much yeah. for this conversation. It's yeah. been great. No, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, this has been really a good time. I knew it would be. Fire and, and police, why not? <laughs> <laughs> if you have never heard of police officers and firefighters having a friendly rivalry, I hope it brought a smile to your face. I believe when first responders in parallel professions engage in pushing each other's buttons, it's a simple case of affectionate competition and nothing more. I like how two things can be true at the same time. Yes, Dan's profession would be considered a manly and masculine one, yet he can tear up, cry, or outwardly display his emotions because he's human. All men are. Sensitivity is a form of vulnerability, and I can't say it enough that healing from a trauma is so possible. When we open up or are vulnerable in safe spaces with those who have a vested interest in our well-being. Through Dan's words, I better understand what practice I can consider adding to my process of healing from my wounds. One of the most powerful things said in this episode by Dan is, it's only okay to be broken if you realize it. I believe it's in the awareness that we have an opportunity to grow. Thank you, Dan, for having this conversation with me. I put off inviting you on my podcast for far too long, 
and I'm happy that we created this time together. I appreciate your willingness to share with my audience your personal experiences and then going forward what you continue to do to help yourself and other members of the Constellation. I hope to stay connected with you and discover new ways of incorporating more healing into my life. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash land. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you so much for being here.